We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. From Variety, celebrating 115 years covering the business of entertainment, this is the Award Circuit Podcast. Comedian Nicole Byer has just landed her second consecutive Emmy nomination for hosting the Netflix series Nailed It. Here's how she reacted to last year's nod. Honestly, when people say it's just an honor to be nominated, you're like, that's bullshit. You wanted to win. I was up against RuPaul and like the people of Shark Tank. I was not going to win and that's okay with me. Uh, it was an honor to be nominated and it felt really good. It felt, sometimes people are like, it's humbling. And I was like, it's not humbling. It made me feel like, yes, like I elevated hosting. Like I brought something very different to hosting and it was recognized and it felt cool. It felt really awesome. I'm Michael Schneider. On this edition of the Variety Awards Circuit Podcast, we talked to Nicole Byer about the tremendous success she has had in the hosting field on shows like Nailed It and also on the recent revival of Wipeout. But first, on a mega edition of the Variety Awards Circuit Podcast Roundtable, we dissect the nominations for the 73rd Annual Primetime Emmy Awards, announced on Tuesday. Daniel Terciano, Jazz Tanke, and Clayton Davis join me to talk about surprises, snubs, disappointments, and cheers. It's all next on Variety's Awards Circuit Podcast. Stay close. All right, look alive, everyone. It is Variety's Michael Schneider, and it is, as we're recording this, the day after Emmy nominations here to give their hot takes as well. I've got my colleagues, Danielle Terciano. Hey, Danielle. Hey. Jazz Tanke is back here. Jazz. Hey. And TV star, star of uh, Variety's The Take... He is the man, Mr. Clayton Davis, is back with us. Clayton, what's up? Emily in Paris. <laughs> oh, you're just wow, going to jump right in. <laughs> jump in. <laughs> it's, it's all I can Why? look at. It's all I can, I can say. It's, it's, the, it's, 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 the, it's the thing. Why? Two nominations. <laughs> One of them is comedy series. Did not series. see that coming. Saw most things coming. Did not see that coming. Um, to, wait, can we give Mike proper due here? Cobra Kai, called by Michael Schneider. Um, the Boys, called by Michael Schneider. Ooh, I'm, I'm so proud of you. Well, I I'm think just... we, we, we well, not Danielle, but the rest of us willed Cobra Kai. <laughs> <laughs> I just was so shocked when early on everybody was, because it wasn't just C- Cobra Kai. It was like down the line. We were talking about the actors, too. And I mean, unfortunately, they didn't get nominated, but... 
it was very early on that that was like an er, a, a big champion um, out of this this team, and I was just I was just surprised that that was the one that that got so many people at Variety excited. Yeah, yeah. The power of Joe Otterson. Too. <laughs> oh yeah, Joe Let's Otterson does love to die. And I know he was so mad at me in year one when I was the one that like did the feature <laughs> on the premiere of the show. He was like, "That's my jam." And I was like, "I didn't know." Next time you can do it. <laughs> um, can, can I also? Can we start here before we actually get into the number of uh, uh, into the actual nominations? I just I feel like it's important for us to address this. Emmys have to fix the amount of nominees oh, yes. in all categories, right? Like, Thank like you. we, we there, like something's got to give eventually, because this six, eight, five, sometimes nine, you know, I before E, <laughs> except after C, like it's it's just it's it's infuriating and it's really hard to watch, and then it becomes even more frustrating in the tally of the networks. Because people are comboing stuff that, like, well, they shouldn't be yeah, comboed. yeah, yeah. That's that's two different conversations. Yeah, yeah. they're the gonna combo. No, I'm, I'm, I'm what? Saying, but, but, but I feel like one monster feeds the other is kind of what yeah, I, where yeah. I think we're at. I mean, I I get in in theory, you know, the the Academy was coming from a good place and and saying, okay, let's vary the the number of nominees depending on how many submissions there are to try to be fair. But in practice, it's just confusing. You're right, and and it's sort of it sets up a weird system where. Where the supporting actor categories get a few more nominees, and and so it sort of you know makes more it, it allows for more sort of hurt feelings in some of the other categories. It's just it's it's hard to sort of explain to people too. You have to constantly remember, okay, what's the threshold? How many submissions? Then you got to go check how many submissions there were to see how many nominees there are going to be. And and yeah, I, I just don't know if that worked. But you know something else that we should talk about is, is sort of along those lines, the weird block voting this year for, for a number of these shows. So it fills up these big categories with like, let's just give everyone on Handmaid's Tale a nomination. Let's give you know, everyone on these different shows, which is nice. Love Ted Lasso, love the number of nominees, but it, it sort of sets up this weird system where it, then it's pointless to have eight nominations in supporting yep. actor. I, I, it, I, call, I called Danielle yesterday. I was like, Danielle, imagine you're in Handmaid's Tale and you didn't get nominated. You know they hate you. Because <laughs> <laughs> you didn't get in. You know, I'm, by the way, Joseph Fiennes, wrong wrong year to go lead Joseph Fiennes. Wrong but here's year. the problem with that, is that like all that does is prove that these voters are only watching a handful of shows. And so whether or not you, you change the number of nominees in a category, I don't think that affects how many shows they end up watching. So if you had six instead of eight in supporting... They could they could be all handmaids, you know. I mean, I don't know that it would how much of a difference that would actually make. I just feel like with that sliding scale, you either have to commit to it or you cut it out. Like it doesn't make sense to me that drama and comedy are always eight, even when there are not that many nominees, mm-hmm. and the other ones have this weird sliding scale that you have to ad- adhere to, even though that meant there were only two series that got nominated in sketch like that imbalance is so <laughs> I just can't and like so I love yeah. I mean just think of like a black lady sketch show you you're like an underdog in this category because you're up against Saturday Night Live no matter what but now you're the only one up against Saturday Night Live and it's like do yeah. you even yeah. 
do 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 you even try? Do you think? Oh, I I think I think it has a better shot. I, honestly, being the only show up against SNL, if there's enough people who say, you know what, SNL's had it. It's time to do something fresh. Let's make a statement. And, and so instead of splitting the statement vote. All the statement vote goes to Black Lady Sketch Show. I think yep. it actually is more of a contender. We're willing to say SNL's and, had it, but I'm I'm not well, sure and because can, and you can give SNL acting can, wins to still represent. That's what I was going to say. Like because they still got so many acting nominations, I don't know if there are a lot of voters that are going to say, "Oh, we're done with SNL in in sketch." I don't know. I mean, it's. It's literally the day after. It's still early. But <laughs> talking about a statement vote, Hamilton was clearly right. a statement. It's like, yep, this is the one show we've all watched, and so was. And we're mad and at Paris. the Tonys for getting to celebrate it first. <laughs> yeah, it, it, but the, yeah, that was a bizarre one too, just down the line. And then to Clayton's point on on some of these shows that you know there's some sort of weird semi-blog voting, but then on, on Queen's Gambit, how do you not recognize Mariel Heller or Bill Camp? Yeah, like, <laughs> right. it, it, was, it, was, it was baffling. And, and, and listen, let's also, elephant in the room, and maybe general people don't know this, when there are Emmy nominations, when you're voting for them, you can vote for as, as much as you want. There is no like set number. You can like do your entire, like vote for every series that's there. Like people should have to make a choice you know, and know what the best is, unless you just want to be nice. And th- that that doesn't, oh, yeah. Th- it's th- like, did is, you stop at Anya Taylor-Joy and decide to, like, not do Bill Camp? And, and, not, and not for nothing, Bill, Bill Camp snub, I mean, all limited series snubs were indicative of a very robust competitive field. And that's where we ended up, and that's what we saw in the end. But... It also becomes a choice that Anthony Ramos is there. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's let's talk real quick about shockers, at least. Maybe biggest snub. Um, I'll start with it because I, I'm still, like, I'm stunned that Ethan Hawke didn't get a nomination. And also, Good Lord Bird was just blanked. You know, nothing for that, which, you know... Stunning to me that Ethan, who I thought was the front runner for for actor and limited, you know, completely blanked, and and he campaigned. A nice guy, really did did he did the work. Uh, well received show. He was fantastic in it. Um, you know, it's that one baffles me. People saw it, and, and yet somehow. I assume people saw it. I mean, people were talking about it. People knew about it at the very least. They should have saw it. Um, it was fantastic. I, so that one blew my mind that they're, they're just people just completely missed that one. Yeah, and I, I think that, and that uh, I think that was also indicative of just a, a bad showing for Showtime. You know, in general, in the major categories, it was just William H Macy, right? If, 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 I think that was it for Shameless. Yeah, and you, of, you, they were the only major and one. And you could expand beyond that bad showing for cable in general, yeah. except for HBO. Like cable is just like for, forget about it. But yeah, we'll, we'll get back to sort of those those uh, platforms. Yeah. But um, uh, but yeah, that, that 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 was that was surprising. Bill Camp was was a huge surprise. But I think my heart shattered in pieces when I didn't hear Tuso. Maduro, Madu, I think that's how you say it. Uh, from the Underground Railroad, it broke my heart. And then just to see the underperformance of Underground Railroad, you know, Barry Jenkins got nominated for directing, thank God, but for it not to get writing was pretty. And, I, and I'm pretty just of the mind. They didn't watch it. It got nominated for a limited series, but I know. They, I don't they didn't think they finished it. it. 
I, that's yeah. the thing yeah. because yeah. And we talked about this, you know, in a phase one podcast, just the idea of, you know, if you don't get to those middle episodes, there are some actors you never even see. So the fact that, you know, all the actors are snubbed. Well, I think maybe they didn't even know some of them were in the show. I think they got as far as episode three, which is why South Carolina got picked. Um, but yeah, I mean, I agree. And I think Danielle, you and I discussed this at some point really early on that our, are the voters going to finish this? And, and like, are they how going are they to finish it episode? in time? Yeah. Because it's, yeah. it's a heavy one, you know? And so like, and it's, it's the longest one, right? Of, yeah, of all the limited I, I think so because it's yeah. 10 and they're like solid hours, you know, yeah. it's not like 45 minutes. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's interesting. Cause you know, when I don't think, I don't know if this is fair to call it like the biggest snub, but I will say one that I was upset about was small acts because, um, especially just, it's a little like strike at, you know, we renamed this category, we rebranded this category limited or anthology, and there are no mm-hmm. anthologies that made it like small acts was the yeah. one. And it's just individually, those films are so strong. So to not see it get into the limited series race, to not see John Boyega, Letitia Wright, Sean Parks, like anybody get an acting nom, I was bummed about. Um, but I will also say just like in terms of surprise, snubs i feel like nicole kidman was a big shock to me like actual shock because the academy loves her it was that show was kind of a two-hander with her and hugh and hugh made it but she didn't so i mean it goes back to obviously what clayton was talking about earlier like the limited series category is just too stacked this year but i i genuinely that one where i was like oh she was gonna get a nomination no brainer just check a box and move on and then it didn't happen she campaigned hard too right? She was everywhere. Like she did SAG. She, you know, she did our podcast. Like she, she did like a ton of stuff. It's not like she wasn't out there. And it's like, where did you go? Did you just go Hugh Grant and then Kate Winslet? Like when well, quali- you- quality reigns supreme sometimes. And I think sometimes it, it, that's okay to, to, to do, but also Mike, just, you know, I'll, I'll kick it back to you. We can also say that shocker supporting actor limited series just as a whole. Like, did anyone get more than two right in that category? I went one for six. Like, it was just, like, a complete, like, reach. It was a transformation of the entire makeup of what we thought was coming. Good on you if you called Evan Peters, because, like, I think that was always something bubbling. And David Diggs felt, but, like, to not, to, to say not Bill Camp. But Thomas Brody Sangster is a choice. (laughs) Like Christopher Jackson from Hamilton is the only Tony nominee that didn't transfer over to Emmy and swapped out with Anthony Ramos. Like it's it's and did they think that they were voting for in treatment? Like that's what they thought they were doing and didn't realize. Like it's it's all like kind of multiple questions. Yeah, yeah. I I, I don't think anyone. I I I would have to go back and see. I I doubt anyone got all of those because yeah, that was a crazy category. There's no way. Um, And if somebody did, please tweet me. I will send you a prize. Yeah. (laughs) Like show me proof. But like honestly. Waterhouse Coopers. Right. I, w- I want to talk to you. Right. I, let's, let's I mean, no chat. offense to Thomas Brody Sangster, but him over Bill Camp, yeah. like you were saying, come on, come on, come on. Uh, I want to go back real back, uh, quick to what Danielle was saying about small acts, because to me, I was more surprised by that than Underground Railroad. For, you know, we talked about how Underground Railroad, it came late. I don't think a lot of people saw it. A, a lot more unknowns, so people didn't really know who the stars were. Uh, small acts, on the other hand, had been out 
out for a while. It had been critically acclaimed. It won the LA Film Critics uh, you know, choice as the best film of the year. Uh, and also, they did campaign hard. I mean, Amazon did tons of events for it. It was out there. It was very well established, easy to watch. Maybe you only watched one or two of the films, but nonetheless, you knew what Small Axe was. So that shocked me. Uh, you know, something that people were uh, you know sort of asking yesterday was maybe ultimately it came down to that issue of film versus TV. Uh, maybe a lot of folks in the TV Academy felt like, sorry, Steve McQueen, don't try to t- call this a TV series. Series. You even said you made a series of films. These are films. This is not a TV show. So we're not going to vote for you. Maybe that stubbornness came through, but I don't know. I think I, I, this still confuses me how at the very least John Boyega didn't get a nomination uh, and that there wasn't more attention paid to small acts. Again, that one surprised me more than Underground Railroad just because Underground Railroad came so late in the process. It didn't really get its due and it didn't. it wasn't heavily campaigned because it was so late. So yeah, I think you could blame LA film critics, I think, for like its complete shutout. I think once they saw that, they were like, yeah, this isn't. And Hamilton, I thought, was going to suffer that same kind of consequence. But I think I think we're seeing a kind of imbalance here. And I'm going to actually credit uh, Robert Daniels. Uh, he's a freelancer. And he's, he tweeted something yesterday and said, two black series, small acts in the Underground Railroad treated black people as three-dimensional humans and the Emmys gave them dust. And it, it, it was, and it was about it, it, what you see now is things are fitting into boxes and there's certain things that don't. And that is a incumbent upon the TV Academy to really start having the conversation with themselves and externally with like journalists, like, you know, like us about like what, you know, people are consuming content differently what are these pieces of art and how should we celebrate them, you know, yeah. come end of the year? And I think that's the bigger question. I, I do want to go back to small acts though. I mean, to see it just get one nomination in cinematography for Shabir Kirchner's work was like, but what about the music, like the editing, like why just that lone nomination? Like where, where else does it fall? Um, but yeah, that was, that was heartbreaking. Yeah. And you see a lot of these shows that get those lone, strange nominations that are completely otherwise. Hey, where's our, our Girls 5 Ever music nominations? I mean, come on. I was going to say, I didn't get <laughs> a, a writing nom. I'm writing just happy, is a big I'm, deal. I'm happy you got a writing nom. Like, it, it gave me something to live for. But I will say, I was, <laughs> and cur- it's, please tell me if you guys feel like I was... Uh, you know, reading into things. But I feel like how excited we were about the show and how much we talked it up. I was like setting myself up to see a bunch of noms. Oh, no. I was definitely uh, telling myself that it was like, if it happens, I can be happy, but I need to predict that it won't because so I don't like get disappointed yeah. on the day, even though I still end up predicting it for comedy. I, I, I mean, I did too. I thought that like with eight I think Fox, it was right there. I think I think it almost made it. I mean, I think, like, the Emily in Paris, like, uh, that nobody expected that, right? So, like, we all thought Girls 5 Ever would be there instead, and yet... Yeah, although in hindsight, now it looks like Girls 5 Ever probably wasn't even close, so I kind of feel dumb predicting it, but at the time, I felt really, like... No, I have a theory for Emily in Paris, 
the reason why it got nominated was because this dropped at like the height of the pandemic when we couldn't travel. And I think voters felt like, oh, look, I get to see Paris through her eyes. Like, that's my reasoning. I think it's it's just. Oh, I thought it was a nod to the HFPA. I think it, I felt like it was totally like just like, subtle. you know, <laughs> oh, I mean, everyone watched. I mean, it was a watch show. Yeah. Yeah, so, and that's, that's it. That's exactly it. it. Like, they actually watched that one. Yes, when you watch it. When you watch it, things happen. It scarily now justifies the HFPA's decision, so we can't make fun of the HFPA anymore for nominating oh my Emily in Paris. I, they were, I'm sure they were, like, dunking. Oh, my God. Like, they, they must have been internally, like, see, you see? Right. Yeah, we, they're we, justified. We, 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 do, we always recognize We always what, do the, the, the thing. We, we set the trend, and then we they follow friends. us. Yeah. yeah. Unbelievable. How, Unbelievable. <laughs> how the TV Academy legitimized the HFPA. That's that's the yeah. other story of yesterday. That's about. the headline. Oh, my God. God. Um, let's quickly go through some of the categories and, and just uh, since since we sort of already begun, let's let's talk comedy. So uh, we mentioned Cobra Kai, got uh, Emily in Paris, uh, Blackish, which, by the way, actually uh, is up in nominations this year. So, again, that sort of is a interesting reminder of a little bit of the, the block voting that we saw this year is even like aging shows and, and Blackish is entering its final season this year uh, sort of saw an uptick, which is interesting. I think also that election special being its its own entity probably helped a little bit there. Yeah. Shout out to St- Stacey Abrams, Abrams for getting yeah. nominated. <laughs> Um, while, while I'll say that Ted Lasso still feels like obviously ordained, I think it should worry a little bit about Hacks now. Hacks did it did better it, than one of the ones yeah. that over it overperformed. Like it did it did what we thought it would and some. You know, flight attendant. I think it's definitely not number two anymore. I actually feel bad for Kaylee Cuoco now because like everything is just like it was all looking like it was her, and then now An actress. And I, mean, actress, you know, I still like think she's it, up there. It, 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 I think it slightly underperformed because I because it didn't get um well Michael Huseman is that you see yeah 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 he didn't get in and there there's just some like I think you know it, it may not win anything on the actual night but I think hacks could re- really do some damage so I would just say watch out maybe. Watch out for for a, ho- a homeland. Type I, I imagine of- the awkwardness with HBO Max, where you know you're the parent, and originally <laughs> flight attendant was your your star like child, yeah. and, and they're the one you're putting the hopes on, and then suddenly here comes Hacks, and suddenly Hacks is the new favorite child, and flight attendant is like, <laughs> oh wait, hey, uh, hello, remember I was your favorite? What what's up? Yeah. What's up? Um, but yeah, I think. Yeah, Hacks obviously on the rise, but I mean, Ted Lasso, 20 nominations, that's... It needs nine to break the record of first season of Marvelous Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. It's just, I mean, it's just, it's going to be dropping episodes all through voting. Like, there's just, you're not going to be able to get away from it if you wanted to. So, I mean, like, look at how exposed everybody is already, and that second season hasn't dropped yet. So... Yeah, I just I, I I don't know I don't know what you do at that point if you're other competitors. How hard do you push when you when you're up against a wall like that? Yeah, I want to see a duel in supporting actor. That's why I want, I want to see them take <laughs> all their all their cast members and make them just fight. Oh, out. And, and by the way, as a side note, pick up Variety magazine on stands now with the ladies of Ted Lasso. 
Coming soon to a mailbox near you, Ted Lasso on the cover of Variety. So, boom. <laughs> to Danielle's point. Yeah, I was like, I was hinting at it. I wasn't really sure if we should say, but yeah. It, it, it will be out by the time people hear this. That's true. Um, that's true. This is Thursday's podcast. Future so. Emmy winner, Hannah Waddingham. Probably. Ooh. I think so. Yeah. Like, yeah. Especially, like, again, season get... two. When you're, lo- you're watching yeah. season two. You're forgetting. Even if you're forgetting what she did in season one, you're just voting based on what you're seeing. Yeah. So, yeah, Ted Lasso, again, 20 noms, most of any uh, freshman comedy ever. Uh, Pen15, love to see it in comedy series. Uh, You know, would have hoped for, uh, you know, maybe some acting nods, but uh, still nice to see it Only five. Only five for there. Oh, oh, God. God forbid. We're a little consistent. Uh, And then Kaminsky Method, as, as expected. So... Uh, can I just say, I think the Kaminsky method, just maybe a theory, I don't know, but I think Kaminsky method is the signal of a dying breed of television watching that the Academy used to, uh, nominate a long time ago. Like the Chuck Lorre safe two and a half men, like kind of that breed of like just old guys comedy series. I think, I feel like this is the last of them. And then we're going into this new whatever. I also feel like that's the last that's being greenlit. Just like looking at like the old guy aspect of it, like we're not yeah. getting these shows greenlit with older actors. Yeah. I mean, like Hacks Gene is an older actor and like that was shocking to a lot of people. Like, oh my God, an older woman leading a show. And I was like, what year do you think we live in? Like, why is that weird? But then you stand back and you look at what historically we've done and landscape wise now what we're doing and yeah they just there are not many of them yeah cobra kai cobra kai that's the way forward i mean the the age difference is a little (laughs) like geez i don't want to get letters that is is no shades of ralph (laughs) macho i love you sir so much i love you i adore you i think you're number six perpetually 30 yeah he is perpetually 30 he will not age ever again all right, drama series. So we haven't talked about the boys yet, but um, yeah, good get for That's, Amazon. That is, they the, worked hard to get that yeah. in there, though. We we were talking about this. That's the that was the power of uh, of campaigning. I mean they they willed that to happen. They got it out there. They got people to watch. They got the academy to pay attention. Not the kind of show that generally gets nominated in drama. Um, a very populist choice, I'd argue, too. Like, this is, like, a very just populist field. Like, regular people can can be passionate about a lot of – not what's going to win, probably, obviously. But but what, what you know, ends, what, what actually ended up in the field, I think people – I'm talking about Joe Schmo, my mom and siblings, are going to be like, oh – like the boys, that's like a cool little show. Like, and they'll just watch it. So, this is the Emmy saying, "Suck it to the Oscars." Guess what? People actually watch our nominees. Boom. Mm-hmm. <laughs> These are shows you've you heard should do of. A sliding scale. Oh, <laughs> I mean that, and also just like embracing genre and superhero shows and comic book shows, and like you know the the argument of like this isn't real cinema, this isn't real storytelling, is obviously a dead argument. I'll never forget Eric Kripke went off on that with me in an interview in phase one. And he was like, well, this just determines I'll never get nominated for an Oscar, but I don't care. (laughs) And I was just like, you know, they're different mediums and like 
we we're looking for different things, you know, which is kind of crazy, but it's a, it's a good mix. I yeah. mean, so Br- Bridgerton, you know, yeah. that's uh, for all those Bridgerton heads. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that is a strong fan base of, of the British uh, romantic uh, drama comedies. L- uh, last time I was on here, I'm going to, I'm going to circle back again. I'm going to say it again. I think Mandalorian is going to be the spoiler. I'm telling you, I, I feel like it's going to happen. Like, and we're just going to, it's going to happen. Like, I'm, I think the crown is the front runner and obviously handmaid's tale did very, very well acting wise, but I'm telling you the Mandalorian just like, I keep getting this like slap. Like, I feel like it's, it's just going to happen. <laughs> but, but well, I, was gonna, I mean, they're, they're not, it doesn't seem like they're really campaigning super hard. So, I mean, if it happens, it would be yeah. by accident. Yeah. I feel like talking about campaigning. I mean, elephant in the room. Like HBO and Lovecraft Country, how much effort was really on that part to see do as well as it did? I would love to see dollars comparison of HBO and like everyone else on that show getting in. I mean, HBO spends considerable amount. I don't know, obviously, where they put it in terms of the breakdown per show. But I also think that because their team both above the line and below the line were so accessible and were doing so many of the panels and things like that. Like even if they weren't paying for things, even if they weren't taking out ads and whatnot, they were getting content. They were getting visibility. Whereas with Mandalorian, it was really hard to get people to do things. At least I will say from my perspective as an editor, the star Wars universe, you were going to try to break some news, you know, not even break news, but like just trying to book (laughs) people to do Stories, you know, yeah. but we can uh, get yeah. anything, right? Like on the, the Pedro I, did actors on actors, but then he did not get nominated. So I'm not saying we didn't do anything, and I'm not saying they didn't do anything, but it just feels considerably different. Yeah, it, well, it's hard because there is no real Disney Plus infrastructure. So you ask, like, who do we go to? To and and there's like, well, it's show by show. You know, Marvel's handling the Marvel shows. Lucasfilm's handling the Star Wars. Show. Okay, well, that so there's no cohesive campaign. And then they're sort of shoving some of the Disney Plus stuff in with the other Disney, uh, you know, things at their driving campaign. But then it's you know not really Disney Studios. So it's it's all very kind of just like piecemeal. So that's what's so amazing in Disney Plus getting 71 nominations. It's like, these are all like accidental nominations. Like they're just, they're like, Hamilton. they're just like doing their thing. And say, so, oh, thank you for the nominations. We didn't, we didn't ask for these bonus. It's like, well, everyone else is spending I millions. Like, who, had, who had WandaVision yeah. leading all limited series on their bingo card? Oh, I no. didn't. Like, Even Marvel was like, oh, that's nice. We didn't <laughs> We didn't ask for <laughs> these. You. We didn't need these, but sure, we'll take them. Like, but meanwhile, all these other outlets spending millions on their campaigns is like, what? Yeah. Um, so, But then you have a case of the boys, like I said, that proves that campaigning does matter. So it's an interesting debate on when does campaigning matter and when can you just show up and get these nods. So, um, yeah, so you mentioned The Crown front runner, but yeah, I mean. With a, with a small F. Yeah, yeah. I think a small F. I mean, let's face it. I talked about Blackish coming back and, and seeing a rise in its, its nominations. Handmaid's Tale having been off. Now it's, uh, you know, a little long in the tooth to get uh, 21 nominations to, to up its game. Impressive. Yeah. Is it just Ann Dowd and uh, uh, Samira Wiley are the only two that have been nominated for every season? 
of the show so far? Huh. I'm not sure. It's like a good it. question. I feel like I think I saw that somewhere in Twitter. Like, I think maybe I'm because I can't remember how many noms Alexis had. They swapped had. to like guests and, and stuff yeah, like they swapped that. categories. They swap Alexis swapped categories too, so like I can't remember. Yeah. Oh no, no, no! It's Alexis and Samira. That's what it is. Alexis and Samira are the two, not Anne. I think it's Alexis and Samira are the ones that have swapped. I've, I've, oh, I've been every season, but wait. People can scream at us. I'm sure. <laughs> Again, this wrong. I mean, if we were researching this for a story, it would be right. But we're not we're, sitting here in front of Google, so we're just talking. We're just talking. <laughs> I like to say that because when they yell and then they're like, yeah. "You, how do you have your job?" Well, we're just talking. Yeah, we're just we're just talking. We just happen to be recording this. Um, <laughs> so, Lovecraft Country, like we mentioned, eighteen nominations. Not too shabby for a show that uh, was canceled. Um, HBO. But I will say, I mean, I think it was smart that they, if they're going to cancel the show, I think it's smart that you wait and cancel it after the nomination voting round was closed. Because I do wonder, like we all talked about Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist in the, you know, in the beginning is like, could this be the year? Could this be Jane's year? Whatever for a nomination. Um, And then when they announced that it was canceled and voting hadn't closed, I was like, oh, well, I don't, I don't think. Like what? Why? Like what? Yeah, I don't know. They either must have been forced, like someone was gonna, maybe someone was gonna break it or something, and they just had to go. But if not, then yeah, like, it seems. Yeah, just you just hold it. Like, I think it com- totally cost it a nomination because I feel like this season, and we've been saying it er- almost every week that this is probably the season that. It's I, I, also, get I don't think love. anyone was watching the show. Also, as proven by no, me. but I mean, it did get some noms. I just feel like it might have. Guest actress, guest and choreography and music and lyrics for their original song. So I mean, it's and I think there was another one, but it's I just I don't know. It was just it just was so strange to me that they were campaigning for that show. You know, like literally they were sending out mailers for that show like days before they announced it was canceled. And it was like these things do overlap. Well, that was people will see this. And I know that was the biggest (laughs) debate inside NBC was the the ratings were dreadful and and it would have been immediately canceled, except for it is one of the few broadcast shows to get any sort of nominations. And and you saw on Tuesday, it got the second most nominations tied with Blackish of any broadcast show. So, yeah, this is us. Uh, prime time that is because SNL obviously rules, but in prime time, this is us, and then Blackish and Zoe's tied, and that's kind of pretty much it. <laughs> There's just nothing, man. It's it's dismal out there for a broadcast net. But um, although I mean, hey, mom, mom picked up some final season. Allison Janney got back on that ballot. Yes, Allison. So, you know, that was I found that I will say going back to the start of our conversations, I found that a surprise. I mean, uh, we know we the know direct, the academy the loves directing her. and the, yep, exactly. So we, I like, mean, what they watched it, they watched it because it was ending. I don't, I don't know. I mean, you know, there's there's a lot of things obviously that go into this, but just that like looking at the final season bumps for things and if that mattered or whatever, you know, eighty Bryant getting for Shrill's final season, in addition to SNL. Um, yeah, it was, it was an interesting day yesterday. Yeah, yeah. Hey, if if, if Allison Janney wins, then she'll tie uh, Julie Louis-Dreyfus and yeah. uh, Close Leachman for most ever uh, actress. She yeah, she ain't. Yeah, but like, <laughs> she'll, she'll tie it in the future for whatever her next show is, <laughs> but this ain't going to be the one. We're going to skip TV movie, right? Because, like, because guys, that Let's skip it for I'm this. I'm Wait, done with we'll it. Come back to I'm that, so but I was... done with it. 
I, well, let's skip it for original song since Danielle, you mentioned it. I mean, can anybody beat Agatha all along? I can't like, imagine it. Pretty no. strong. Pretty it strong. It is short, it, though, it right? Goes, short, short kind of has to matter, right? It's like a minute or something. Like the length? But I mean, it was literally in everybody's head for weeks. Yeah. Like, you, yeah. you maybe didn't even have to see that show to know that song because everybody was yeah. making memes yeah. out of it and jokes on Twitter and, and whatever. And. You know, it, it, that's, it's just the power of, like, they put so much into making a show that people wanted to watch that it made such a difference, you know? Like, power of television. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that awesome. is true. Let's wrap up uh, drama real quick because we got to mention Pose. Pose also, uh, you know, going out on a high note, yeah, with the uh, nine nominations. That's where I was going before I got distracted. <laughs> yeah. When I was like, talking about final seasons and I said Amy Bryant and then I was like distracted. Yes, but yes. Uh, yeah, Lovecraft Country and Pose, first drama series to ever have two black leads nominated from the show. So congratulations. It's amazing to see. Which is so insane yeah. to hear. That, that yeah. took so long. That, to that, that, yeah, that, that's a thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And obviously, uh, MJ Rodriguez, first trans performer to yep. get a major uh, category. Uh, second, second Latina to ever get nominated in that wow. category. Everyone follows Rita Moreno. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, yeah. Rita Moreno did it once, and then she's our second now. So, congratulations, good for her. Well deserved. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, 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 you know, sort of perfect timing for the post finale that was on everyone's mind as, as they're voting. So that, that worked out. And then, and then the one holdout from broadcast, good old, this is us, which enters its final season next year. So I guess that'll be it for broadcast after that, <laughs> after, after blackish and this is us go away next year. Bye I mean, broadcast. that's the, that's true. I mean, they're both ending next year. That's yeah. not a good look um, for I that representation. Say, in, in the vein of Courtney Cox getting her first Emmy nomination, I really hope Susan Kelechi Watson does not go down that road. To hope they get her get to her before it all ends, because they've just been passing that by from that show. But also, see why we see eight nominations and Chris Sullivan gets in, which isn't bad. Chris Sullivan's great on This Is Us, but like. It doesn't make sense in the packaging of everything on that show. And, and poor Justin Hartley. <laughs> poor Justin Hartley. Uh, what are you going to do? Um, okay, real quick. Limited anthology. We talked about WandaVision. 23 nods. The, the, they just stumbled into them like, oops, oh, look, we got 23 nods. <laughs> Go figure. Great for them. Uh, Underground Railroad. Queen's Gambit, Mayor of Easttown, which we haven't talked about yet, um, and I May Destroy You. This is a category that I think is a little more kind of uh, up in the air now, you know? For the longest time, we were saying it was all Queen's Gambit, but, I mean, I could... I think four four of the five can win. I, the one I feel terrible saying is Underground Railroad. I think that's definitely not going to do it, even though I thought it was going to win weeks ago. So... Right now, I'm thinking, dare I say WandaVision, I think, could pull it out. I'm really thinking it's going to do it. Right, like, leading into nominations, I thought Mayor of Easttown was actually going to do it. Because I think it, that took off, like, at the end of... That was, it was really interesting to see Mayor of Easttown, uh, you know, go week to week and everyone talk about it. Underground Railroad get dropped and no one say anything at all. And they were just, on the, you know, at the same time. Um... But I think it's going to be in 
a little bit indicative of who wins actress on who wins limited series. Because if Kate Winslet, then I'm like, oh, maybe, maybe it's not does do it, you know? But I don't think Elizabeth Olsen's going to do it. So I feel like it would have to be someone other than Kate Winslet to prove that WandaVision would win. You know, and then Queen's Gambit won everything during the precursors when none yeah, of these yeah. shows but were. But I made a story, as we've seen in, in recent months, has sort of been on a, a resurgence in, in, you know, sort of critically acclaimed, winning Peabody's, winning BAFTA. Uh, and, and that could be one that, you know, depending on how the campaigning goes in, in uh, phase two, that could make the difference if, if they, you know, really sort of go all out for that. Uh, this, this will be the category that it's interesting to see sort of, uh, you know, how people play it because it is much more up in the air than we thought. Okay. I also just say you guys just mentioned Julianne Nicholson's uh, Emmy nominee now. Yes. And talking about Mare, it also got like love in cast, like in the crafts, like the casting, the cinematography, like the costumes. And I'm like, okay, great. Editing, makeup and hair. And if we, we actually have a video that Meredith did, an artisan's video on Kate Winslet's personal hairstylist. And it's just like, there is actually a story to Kate Winslet's hair. So it's like, that is love. I, I think Mayor Vison, by the way, I think, I think it's competitive in writing. I think it could win writing. Cause first of all, WandaVision has like three, which go figure. Yeah. I think there's gonna be some split there. I think Mayor V sounds really competitive there. Brad Inglesby, like good, good stuff. And people love the series. Like it's really well written. Yeah. yeah. And it pays off. It's not. It's not the night of. At the end, you're like, wait, what? No, like it's everything's earned. Yeah, or or to give an even more recent example, the undoing. So, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was trying not to speak in the season, but yes, right. that's very good. Just, just go in there. Just, just go in there. <laughs> yeah, go go for it. Um, it's not nominated, so it's fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. for that reason. So they didn't like uh, the ending. No, and I, I think I think as we as you sort of alluded to earlier, that did impact the number of nominations, including Nicole Kidman, because it just didn't feel like a complete package. Mayor of Easttown, on the other hand, felt like just like that was the package from beginning to ending, paid off, felt good. So, so that is something. Uh, you know, if if uh, you know if if there you know is sort of an upset, that could be one. But WandaVision, uh, you know, it is a show that celebrates the history of TV, history of sitcoms. It's very much, you know, for for folks who just sort of are celebrating TV, that's a big part of WandaVision. So for for TV vo- Academy voters, that could make the difference. So Real quick shout out to some of the overachievers. Our favorite, Gene Smart. The Year of Smart continues. Two nominations, speaking of Mayor of Easttown and Hacks. Uh, and our February cover boy, Keenan Thompson. Double nominee, <laughs> Keenan Thompson. Like, it's so, it was so good to see him get those two. You know, it, 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 like, it's just, he's having a good moment yeah. right now. Yeah. Hard work pays off. Yeah. And double nominee A.D. Bryant, also from the same show, which, by the way, I, I cursed with Danielle yesterday. I had A.D. Bryant predicted <laughs> for shrill literally until the day before, and I switched it out. And I Don't ever myself. switch them out. You just go go with the gun. No. Oh, just, just, just stay with what you're – whatever you have is just what you have. All right. Well, we've got uh, what, like 20 more months of campaign <laughs> to go, so <laughs> – yeah, 2026 is going to suck. It's going to be so, so bad. 
And Don Cheadle, man, ride it. Ride it, Don <laughs> Cheadle. Keep riding it. It doesn't matter. I don't care. You can't get mad at Don no, Cheadle. No, no. I've been saying for no, no. Great. Two, he, Anytime he's no, in No, no, no. I was, I, was, I was talking about the internet. The internet was like, oh, two scenes. So, I don't care. I've seen people nominated for... Carl Weathers also, by the way, such a... Choice, yeah. good choice. Yeah, but crazy love, love choice. Carl Weathers. I mean, the Cheadle again, the secret weapon. Um, on, I mean, I was mad that Black Monday didn't make it in time this year. So listen, I'll take it. If it, yeah. I know it's yeah. a different category, He'll obviously, but year. I'll take he's it. He's such a stable. He just like he's like just like, you put him down. You, you just go. He's the Allison Janney. <laughs> like, yeah. just, just tag it off. You know, they just haven't given him a win yet, so they need to You know what's it. funny? Black Monday this season made that joke. They were like, obviously it's a period piece, so they were talking about like, you know, 1990s comedy mm-hmm. nominees at the Emmys, but they made a joke about how like they never get the winner right in the lead actor category. Mm-hmm. And I was like, we'll remember that next year when the show is, is eligible. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, hopefully Showtime will, will uh, you know, be, be back in. But, but apparently it's only streamers now. Apparently Emmys is only for streamers, so... <laughs> at HBO, which now is trying to be a streamer by combining. But then again, it's, let's it's, yeah, let's see what happens. I'm all Succession will be back next oh, year. Oh, by the way, to bring it into the to bring it into the Oscar game, Daniel Kaluuya, Academy Award winner Daniel Kaluuya, nominated for guest actor and Emerald Fennell, nominated for supporting actress drama. If Daniel Kaluuya wins that category, he will be the first man. I think I'm like I have to finish researching, but I think he might be the first man. That has won an Oscar and an Emmy the same oh. year. Women have done it like three or four times, but I don't think a man has done it yet. I'm I'm like really sure he's even the first black man, yeah. but I was trying to go like, <laughs> see who like uh, like fairly certain that that's true. But I, was, I think he just might be the first guy that. I'm going to give so, Anthony um, Hopkins a shout out for his nomination for his voiceover work on Mythic Quest. Yes. I mean, it's yes. so, oh, so random. Oh. Also, like, honestly, Rob had such a good story about getting Anthony Hopkins to be a part of that episode that I was like, you know what? I'm I'm really proud of this nomination because it's just it's a nice story overall. And obviously he's Anthony Hopkins. So, you know. Yeah. Another show that I wish more voters had watched, but I, I guess they just haven't. So but but they did. But they did watch Below Deck. And that's what matters. <laughs> that was that's crazy. What that's what matters. <laughs> I mean, but that category got a little shaken up this year anyway because a number of nominees or, or past submitted shows in that race moved into the hosted categories. So I also wonder if, like, people looked at that ballot and, like, just also didn't know what to do with it because some of their favorites were no longer on that ballot. And so then they were like, what have I heard of? Check. Yeah, true. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and by, and by, that is true. And by the way, just the uh, last thing, RuPaul, who's nominated for three uh, – if RuPaul wins two of the three, will tie the all-time record for a black artist at the Emmys. If wins all three, takes the title. Uh, well, RuPaul's on a streak, so that's very possible. I, yeah. Very possible. At minimum, I, at minimum, I think he ties. At minimum. Yeah. Speaking real quick of that competition category, listen. I am Amazing Race fan number one, so never going to hate on Amazing Race being nominated, but they kicked out the wrong show. They kicked out the mass <laughs> singer. Know, that what? was very weird. Wow. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But yeah. yet you kept the voice. Yeah, but yet you kept the Okay. I mean, the choice? voice had a big year with its double anniversary, and I think like mm. maybe the attention around that helped propel it. But then I look at the mass Singer, and I'm like, that is such a noisy show no matter what's happening. That it, it 
it was strange to me that like, you I mean, obviously they were aware of it. This was not a situation where they had not heard of or seen the show. Well, on that note, gang, we've got many more weeks, many more categories, many more things to talk about. So we'll, we'll be back here again soon. Now let's take a break. Take a breather. We got Nicole Byer on this week's episode. Who's also celebrating nominations for nailed it and host. So on to her. Always fun to talk to Nicole, but thank you so much, Clayton, Danielle, Jazz. I love you, Mike Schneider. You're the best. <laughs> talk to you soon. Bye. After the break, Emmy nominee Nicole Byer tells us about what she's been up to during the pandemic and slowly making her way back to the comedy stage. From Los Angeles, this is Variety's Award Circuit Podcast. now with game pass and we're back it's the award circuit podcast i'm michael schneider last year nicole byer hosted all five nights of the 2020 creative arts emmy awards this year she's hosting everything else and i'm only half kidding but the comedian has become an in-demand host with the most along with her many other gigs acting doing voiceover work podcasting and of course stand-up comedy Byer was nominated for an Emmy Award last year for Netflix's comedic baking competition series Nailed It, and she's been nominated again this year in the host category. Nailed It is also up for competition series. And this year, Byer also joined John Cena as the new host of TBS's revived Wipeout. Variety's Award Circuit podcast spoke with Byer prior to the Emmy nominations announcement about her very busy schedule, returning to stand-up, how she has developed multi-generational fan bases, and much more. We began by discussing how she's been faring during the pandemic. I guess I feel good theoretically, but like, what is good anymore? I don't know. But I am excited to get back out there. It is a little scary. Like, I went to New York to see some friends because it was like I was vaccinated. I was like, I'll wear the mask on the plane. I'm okay with that. And my friend set up a show for me, my friend Evan, and the first thing I said was like, I flew across the country to see if I'm still funny, which is like kind of true. Cause it's like, you're in this little capsule in LA and I've been doing outdoor shows and I'm like, am I relatable to other places? Any like, I don't know when you haven't done comedy in a year, you're just like, I don't know anything. <laughs> so, so how did that work? Like you actually were in front of an audience. Like what was, so I've been doing outdoor shows in LA and then this show in New York was on a rooftop outside. And everyone was like masked and social distance. They sold tickets in twos. So yeah, that's what people are, are doing now. Uh, yeah. Indoor shows are coming back too. And I think those are like at half capacity. It's just, everything is so strange. Yeah, I got to imagine it changes your timing. It changes, you know, it's just when it's a smaller audience, they're all masked, they're all separate. Is that, I mean, how difficult is that to actually you just do comedy? At first, it was like, what the fuck is this? This is truly so insane, having people masked, because 
you can see people smiling when they're not masked. So you're like, okay, you might not be laughing, but you're enjoying the show. Now it's truly like laughs are the only way I can see if someone's enjoying themselves. Crowd work is a little harder, so I haven't really been doing it. But honestly, it's not bad. It's not bad. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, like the, the those internal chuckles, the sort of the, yeah, she's right. <laughs> That's uh-huh. right, Nicole Byer. You, you got it. Like, don't keep those down. So, yeah. You know, since we're talking, this is for Emmy season. You were such a big part of all of our Emmy seasons last year. We spent five nights with you back in the day with the Creative Arts uh, Emmys. And, and I still think about that a lot. I think about just how pleasant it was to every night, there'd be Nicole there wearing that same dress, <laughs> sitting on my bed, covering the, the Creative Arts Emmys. And uh, there was a comfort level to, yeah, this is weird, but at least Nicole's here and she's having some Aww. fun and bringing a little bit of life to that. You, what, what do you remember about recording that? And, and that was still sort of the early days of production. and. and mm-hmm the awkwardness of, of award shows. Yeah, it was truly a whirlwind. Um, they asked, I said yes, and then got the script. And then all of a sudden it was like, well, we got to do hair and makeup, have fittings, and now you're shooting it. And it was just, it was nice because I didn't have a chance to think about anything. I was just like, okay, let's let's do it. We're doing it. So yeah, yeah it was exciting and fun. Yeah, yeah. And what I love is is that you like will point out just the, the awkwardness of it all. Like, yeah, I'm <laughs> I'm wearing the same dress because how do you think TV works? How do you think this works? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, those are my five favorite different days and record <laughs> five different intros. Come on. <laughs> so speaking of hosting, I mean, you are sort of becoming like the go-to person, right? I mean, this is you know, nailed it obviously. From the beginning was fantastic. My 11-year-old loves you. He has no <laughs> idea about your comedy. We, we want <laughs> him to actually listen to your podcast. So he knows you from one side of the world, mm-hmm. which has got to be kind of fun, first off, to have different like different kinds of fans. You've got these young fans who just love mm-hmm. you from Nailed It. They have no idea how, you know, blue you can get sometimes. <laughs> so, so, so what is that like to sort of have this this mix now of, of, of a fan? It's exciting. It's fun. I mean, I'm not a huge fan of children. I do like <laughs> some. One of my dear friends has a, a child that I love. A couple of them do. But um, I just, I think about it in a way where children are very honest. They'll truly tell you exactly what's on their mind, no filter. And a lot of them think I'm funny. So like whenever an adult's like, you're not funny and I don't like you, I'm like, "Mm, I don't, I think you're lying. (laughs) Uh, The children say otherwise and they're very honest. But yeah, it's just, it's very fun that I get to show off different things like, um, you know, family friendly, I nailed it. And then you come to a stand-up show and you get to see that I'm a full three-dimensional person who doesn't just do one thing. Yeah, yeah. And then Wipeout was kind of in between. You you sort of like, you had to sort of walk that line of how blue are we going to get? But I know families are still watching. What was was that experience like? That was fun. I truly didn't know. Like I had seen clips of the show. I'd watched the show, but I just didn't know how how far they would want us to go. And then they took a lot of the stuff where John and I were just talking, (laughs) which is fun. And I like that they went in that direction. And then the jokes, uh, we have writers. So it was them in the room who decided how far they were going. So yeah, I like that it's kind of like, 
nailed it as, you know, for kids and adults and then wipeouts, like maybe for your teens and adults. So I kind of like that. I've like, I have like a little stepstone of hosting. Yeah. Yeah. And, and was this something that, I mean, now, now that you're sort of, you know, like I said, one of the sort of go-to people for, for hosting was, was this something that you sort of had thought about before you sort of got into it or, or how did this sort of become a, a you know, substantial part of your career? I mean, I truly didn't, I didn't know how to host <laughs> at all. Like when they asked me to do nailed it, I think I said, I said, I've never hosted it really. I don't know how to do that. And they're like, yeah, it's fine. Don't worry about it. And I said, okay, well, if you're not worried, I guess I'm not worried. Yeah. And in the first couple of seasons, oh yeah, the first two seasons and nailed it. A lot of it was me being like, what? <laughs> or like, you have to read your lines. What is, I don't. So I think they really played on the fact that I, I didn't really know what was happening. But yeah, no, I, I never thought this would be like a huge part of my life. And, and but, but I think that was sort of maybe what was endearing uh, about you coming in and, and sort of just, you know, there. You, you, you did it your own way, right? I mean, there there are no real rules to hosting. So you sort of just came mm-hmm. in, this is how I'm going to do it. And, and what did what did you learn early on about uh, hosting? I don't know if I've learned anything other than, I mean, there's like, you got to get some of the information out, but you can also have a lot of fun. And you don't have to just be like a, a speaker head for the show. You can also you know, bring your personality, your flair to things, but also I truly have fun wherever I go. So <laughs> uh, I think they just like keep the fun in, which is really awesome. Yeah. Well, how how would you sort of compare the difficulty level of, of that versus doing sketch or doing stand up or doing acting? Well, in hosting, you just like have to get the the business done. Whereas in a sketch, you're like, we only have one thing to do. That's the game of the scene. We're here to have fun. You're a nasty little mermaid, go. Or like acting, the challenge in that is like making someone else's words and someone else's vision come to life while also including your vision. It's very, very, very collaborative. And I love it so much. Like I, acting in narratives, is I find a challenge in a way where it's like, once you crack it, you're like, Oh, Oh, that's what you mean by that note. That's what you want me to do. And it's just like, when you watch it on the screen, you're like, Oh, wow, I did it. That's great. <laughs> um, and then stand up is my vision, my voice, my ideas. And I go, hi, I hope you like this. I truly hope this is an enjoyable hour for all of us. But I bombed. I bombed so many times. And you kind of have to learn how to enjoy the bombs. And the bombs teach you uh, and influence your later work. And it teaches you to be humble and that, like, everything you have to say isn't fucking important. And you do have to listen to the audience sometimes. Maybe you took something a little too far. And it's like, oh, there's no shame in, like, adjusting a joke because it was offensive and not as funny and as, you know, edgy as you thought it was. But uh, yeah, every I love everything. Everything has its own challenges. Yeah, yeah. And I, I was going to say for the the hosting, your your improv sort of skills kind of come into play, I assume. And that's sort of a, a nice skill to have when it comes to reacting to what's going mm-hmm. on. Yeah, because the one of the, you know, basis of improv is yes anding. And if you're not listening, how can you yes and something? 
So when it is very hard because I'm wearing an earpiece, sometimes the producers are talking to me as a contestant is talking to me and I have to just listen to both people to get the producers what they want. But then also you don't want a contestant to not feel seen and heard or feel like they're just here in the clog of like a show. So I'm like trying to give everyone a good experience. So yeah, hosting is difficult in that aspect, but improv does help. Yeah. No, and, and and you mentioned sort of the, the the bombing of you know, especially as an early comedian back in the day. How long did do you think it took to really feel comfortable being on stage, or really feeling like you you sort of had had matured and, and got it as a comedian? I've always been rather comfortable on stage. I like attention. I like people looking at me. I think what I have to say is very important, and you should listen. That's like a joke, but also not really. Uh, but <laughs> I guess, so I got this show, Girl Code. Colleges were like, like, come do stand-up. At the time, I was like, I don't know how to do stand-up. My manager at the time, the one good thing he did was he pushed me to learn how to do it. He said, take your characters, frame it like a joke, read a book, figure it out. And I said, okay. So I figured it out. And then my friend Emily Heller, who I love, and I think of her as my comedy fairy godmother, she was like, people are here to see you. So like, they're gonna like you. So don't sweat it too much. And I said, oh, okay. But then I thought to myself, okay, those people like me. I'm on TV. That will wear off. The show won't be popular for long. I have to learn how to tell a joke well for people who don't know who I am. So then I would do shows like two shows a night, and then also be on the road and then also working, just trying to figure out how to actually be funny to people who don't know who I am and have no idea who I am. So that took, I would say maybe three years of stand-up before I was like, oh, I think these jokes work to people who don't know me. Mm -hmm. Maybe four years. I don't know. Sometimes I still bomb. It happens. The best of the best bomb. And yeah. if they tell you otherwise, they're lying to you. Yeah. Yeah. That's that, that, that's the only way to get better. Right. Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, there's been plenty of conversation about, are you allowed to bomb anymore now that everyone seems to be filming or, 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 you know, sort of keeping tabs on things. And is it tougher to be a comedian now where, you know, everyone's constantly focused on you on social media? Is, is there room to bomb? Are you allowed to bomb now? Yeah. I mean, I think you are. Anybody who thinks that, every set a comedian does is going to be perfect, just doesn't understand life or art. Every movie you see isn't perfect. Every performance you see of a musician isn't perfect. Sometimes people forget the words. So I just think we as people just need to be a little kinder to each other, which sounds corny as hell. But like, why would you post like a, a comic doing something that's not like finished? If I'm doing a set at the improv, it's not finished. When I put out my special, that's finished. Tape that, stream that, put that wherever you want. But like, I'm at work working. You don't film the person at Rite Aid checking you out. Like, <laughs> don't. <laughs> so that's like me on filming comics. It's just not, it's a no-no for me. Well, let's talk about Emmys because uh -huh. last year you got a nomination. Uh, I did. Can you even? <laughs> You made history the first Black woman ever to be nominated in the category of Outstanding Host or Reality uh, for a reality or competition program, which is huge. It's a bummer that there wasn't a traditional ceremony. You didn't get to really enjoy it. But nonetheless, what did that mean to you? Honestly, 
when people say it's just an honor to be nominated, you're like, that's bullshit. You wanted to win. I was up against RuPaul and like the people of Shark Tank. I was not going to win. And that's okay with me. It was an honor to be nominated and it felt really good. It felt sometimes people are like, it's humbling. I was like, it's not humbling. It made me feel like, yes, like I elevated hosting. Like I brought something very different to hosting and it was recognized and it felt cool. It felt really awesome. Yeah. And then also I was like, oh, hopefully when someone's casting, looking for a host, they don't go, oh, let's just go with what we know. Hopefully they'll be like, oh, what about this, you know, this brown woman or this black woman or this Asian person? Let's let's bring something that people haven't seen. So I'm hoping like I just open the door just a little bit wider for others, other others to be able to do what I get to do. Yeah. Yeah. And these categories are notorious for, for not changing all that often. It's, it's been mm-hmm. the same show, same host for a long time. So very exciting to see them finally mix things up a little bit and, and bring someone new in. So, so that was exciting this year. Now, I mean, you have multiple shows, so there's a chance you could be competing against yourself. Um, <laughs> Imagine. <laughs> But fingers crossed, you know, that then then you can, you know, you'll, you'll be your your own worst enemy, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, honestly, that would be such a treat. I would love that. <laughs> so I want to talk about uh, also your your partnerships on these shows. One of the fun aspects, too, on, on Nailed It is, is uh, Jacques Torres and, and sort of your relationship with him. Talk a little bit about uh, getting to know him and, and what do you enjoy about working with the one and only Jacques Torres? Jacques Torres is one of the kindest, sweetest people I have ever met in my life. He is a student of life and he's also like a teacher. Like he loves learning. He loves sharing his knowledge. And I did not do my due diligence when I was (laughs) told that he was going to be the head judge. I could, I should have looked him up and I didn't. So when I got there and I was talking to him, I was like, oh, wow, this man seems so knowledgeable and he's so refined and I'm like telling dick jokes and I don't, I don't know about this, but um, I like later went and looked him up and I was like, Oh my God, he's like world renowned and he's very talented. He's done so much. And he's had an illustrious career. And it wasn't like I treated him any differently after I had known that, but it was just like, for my knowledge, it just would have been good. Um, But he's like so successful in his own right. Like he's got a whole chocolate business and he's an incredible chef and I taught him how to tell a joke last last year. Maybe it was two seasons ago. I was like, you have the beginning, the setup, you got your punch, you mix it up a little bit, and then you have a button. And he loves a button. He loves saying something and then buttoning it and then being like, eh? <laughs> and it makes me laugh so hard. He, I cannot say enough about the man. He is really, truly just a professional, incredible, and a joy to work with. So do you have a hookup now on his food? Like, does he like send you deliveries? Like, yeah. So if, I mean, if I wanted, he would send me anything I wanted from his chocolate, uh, his chocolate shop, Jacques Torres chocolates. But when he's in town, he cooks for me, which is better than anything that he could send me because he'll make something like, uh, he was like, do you eat lamb? And I was like, no, I hate lamb. He was like, you will not hate my lamb. And I was like, I don't want lamb. And then he made me this incredible lamb. And I was like, I guess I love lamb now. But yeah, he, <laughs> he'll he make these like incredible potatoes. He's talented. He is a talented chef. 
That's amazing. And that's, I mean, how cool is it to have him like sort of, you know, on your speed dial now when, when you need some food, some good food, like, yeah, I love it. And then he'll take me to fancy restaurants and people know him. So then the chef will bring out all these incredible things that not everyone gets to taste. So yeah, it's a, it's nice. It is nice to be friends with Jacques Torres. It's like, what a, what a, like a nice sort of side benefit of, of hosting <laughs> nailed it, right? Yeah, absolutely. A bunch of like bad confections, but then I get to go out with Jacques and I get to eat the most incredible things. And now also your buddies with John Cena. So let's, let's yes. talk about that. Boy, um, John Cena, what a treat. I've really lucked out with the people I've gotten to work with. I cannot think of anyone that I was like, oh, yeah, tuh. but John is so effortlessly funny. Uh, he's like down to clown. He he's just really he's really wonderful. And he's just like a wonderful person as well. This is I mean, that that clearly is the movie that needs to happen. Right. I mean, <laughs> something I, I've been telling the, the Turner folks, like, how is this not how are you not casting them in some sort of HBO mat? Like, who knows what you guys should be doing something. So. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I would love it. He's honestly really great to work with. So that's cool. And and reinventing, I mean, bringing back Wipeout, another like beloved franchise. So so mm -hmm. that, I mean, that's a show that people still watch and, and love. And, and now you get to be a part of that too. That That's kind of a cool, again, like sort of bonus for you. Yeah, I feel really lucky. Wipeout is truly beloved. Like people love the show. I love the show. Honestly, watching people fall is uh, very funny and it never gets old. So what is uh, all this sort of exposure as a host now meant for you just in, in other things in, in terms of uh, you know, acting, comedy, like everything else that you love to do? I will say I didn't know if hosting would be helpful in the acting space. And it is because I'll get called into things that maybe I wouldn't necessarily be called in for because a casting director's child loves me. And then I've gotten jobs because kids like me and then their adult parents have the power to put me in things. Yeah. So like, that's been pretty fucking cool. But yeah, it's just, it's given me a little bit more exposure, which is really like, I'm very grateful for it. Yeah. So maybe the kids aren't so bad after all. They're you know, <laughs> maybe not. <laughs> um, so, so uh, we've also been kind of asking folks, you know, what they've been up to if they had any spare time over the past year. Have you uh, had a chance to, to binge anything? Was there anything you enjoyed watching or, or did over, over, you've got some new hobbies, you got some new uh, crafts that you now do? Uh, I learned how to sew. That is a thing I've learned how to do. I made a bag, a dress. I've hemmed some dresses. I've fixed some pants up again. I was roller skating a ton. I was pole dancing a ton. And then I dislocated my ankle. So now I'm like rehabilitating that, getting back to doing things. Yeah, when I shot Wipeout, I was in a boot and couldn't put weight on my leg. It was <laughs> truly insane. Yeah. Um, what else? Oh, I, you know, RuPaul's Drag Race, I love. I've been watching that. 90 Day Fiance, honestly, if you're not watching it, I don't know what you're doing. It is the funniest show on television. These people are Looney Tunes and I love them. What else have I been watching? Oh my God, um, P Valley. Have you seen P Valley? Yeah, P Valley. Yeah. Oh, all of those actors. That's what I mean. Like opening a door for others to be able to do things. Every single person on that show is incredible. And it was like, if not given the opportunity, I think her name is Katori Hall. Wrote a play that the show is based on. If stars didn't give Katori, I think I'm saying her name right, that opportunity. 
it's like we wouldn't have all these amazing actors who then will end up in something else. I love I can't say enough about P Valley. I love it. Yeah. So that's 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 another big one. So if there was a, a show that you'd like to see get some some Emmy love, it sounds like maybe P Valley. Yes. Uh, yeah. Yes. Uncle Cliff. I think that's the character's name. I haven't it's been a while since I binged it when it first came out. But yeah, the character Uncle Cliff, Uncle Clifford, he's so incredible. He's an incredible actor. Yeah. And then the girl who plays Mercedes, I cannot remember her name right now, but she's also incredible. And she like does a lot of the like pole dancing herself. She, I'm going to, what is her name? I'm going to lose my mind. <laughs> time, time to Google. Google. I'm going to Google. Brandy. Brandy Evans. Yes. yes. It was like at the tip of my tongue. I was like, I didn't want to say it wrong, but yeah, she's truly so good. I love P-Valley. I could go on for days about how much I love P-Valley. Well, you mentioned like some of some of the fun things you did, like roller skating, pole dancing. Uh, yeah, there there is there is this joy to you that I, I think you know, and and, and you know, it's because it's it's always just nice to see you on on camera, and and uh, you know, and and you seem to just you know really be enjoying what you're doing right now. You know, talk about it. Do you have like sort of a a mantra? Share, share with the folks like what your sort of uh, mantra is these days with life. Well, my mother used to always say it takes more energy to frown than it does to smile. And honestly, it does. Like if you spend an hour frowning, you're going to be like, Jesus Christ, I'm exhausted. But honestly, if you just like smile and have a nice time and let things roll off your back and realize that like a lot of life isn't personal, it has nothing to do with you. You just kind of feel a little lighter and happier. But um, I also try to just do the things that I like to do. And if I have to do something I don't like to do, I'll overcompensate by doing a ton of stuff I like to do. And, you know, carving time for yourself is also important. Self-care is important. If you sigh before doing something, maybe rethink about the thing you're doing. Maybe you're not meant to do that. Also therapy. She's been in so much therapy. How <laughs> about the therapy? So what's the rest of the year looking like for you? What are you excited to do as, as we do sort of slowly get back into, into the real world? And what are you hoping to do? What's, what's sort of next on the bucket list? I mean, I'm really, I'm excited to get back into stand-up, even though it like really makes me nervous doing an hour of comedy. I'm like, how do I do that again? Uh, but I'm shooting this show for NBC that was created by a friend, Phil Jackson, that I did improv with in New York. And we like came out here and when we shot the pilot, I was like looking around, I was like, holy shit. I don't think if you told us 10 years ago, this is what we would be doing, that we would be like, oh yeah, of course. Uh, we were like in a basement with like, just like water from Christie's dripping on us as we're like, can we get a suggestion? Uh, it's called Grand Crew. It's going to be on NBC. And I think it's really funny. Like the pilot is great. I'm so excited about that. And to be able to work with friends is <laughs> just a dream. Um, I want to do a movie. That's on my bucket list. I'd love to do a movie. That would be fun. That's not the one thing I haven't broken into, but I've done a little bit of like bit things here and there in movies, but yeah, I'd love to be in a movie. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I think it's time. I, Hollywood, get, get your act together. Yeah, Hollywood, come on. <laughs> Hollywood's listening. <laughs> well, again, you know, it, it, it was so, it's, it's so nice to talk to you. My, my, my son doesn't know who many of the people are who I talk to. I talk to, you know, so some big celebrities. They're like, who's that? But when I told them I was talking to Nicole Byer, they're like, you're talking to Nicole Byer? That's awesome. So uh, 
That's cool. So, I shout like out to that. The, shout out to the kids. Uh, <laughs> and shout out to you, Nicole. Congratulations on everything. Fingers crossed for this season uh, with the Emmys, but always uh, a joy to see you on my TV. So Thank you. It was lovely to talk to you. That's Nicole Byer. Catch up on Nailed It episodes via Netflix. And that's it for this edition of Variety's Award Circuit Podcast. Drew Griffith edited this episode and Michael Schneider is the producer. Be sure to subscribe to the Award Circuit Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you download podcasts. Also, head on over to Variety.com and click on the Award Circuit tab to find the latest Emmy predictions and key races, as well as your daily fix of news, analysis, and reviews. For Danielle Terciano and Jazz Tanke, I'm Michael Schneider, and we'll see you on the circuit. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.